Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Man in the Mirror with your host, Kai and Noun. I'll say it again, and Noun. I'll say it one more time, and Noun, NJ, the host of all hosts. This evening, and we'll talk about that, you know, when I let, let, let the host of all hosts come in. Continuing, we will now continue this evening with our book club, Man in the Mirror Book Club. We have been reading and discussing Don Woods, The Good Work. He is the, you know, bestseller author, and we have the number one scoop, because I know no one else is doing this but us, Man in the Mirror. We We are monthly discussing his bestseller. In tonight's episode, we will be discussing chapter three, the rest of chapter three, God has his tools and four, faith in the face of storms. And I read that and that, that looked just like me. You know, we get like the disciples, but we'll talk about that. And before we get started, I'm going to ask the host of all hosts, NJ, to open us up in prayer. Amen. Can you hear me? First, let's get that out the way. Yeah, we can hear you. I know Don was over there laughing, so we know we can hear him. So, NJ, I want to, I just like saying that NJ, just pr- the host of all hosts, is bringing her on. Um, to- Let me pray. Let me pray. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being here today, Lord, one more time, Lord, just to give you glory, Lord. We thank you for our guest, Lord. We thank you for. Uh, Ty, Lord, and even for myself, Lord, we just thank you for being allowed to come and just talk about the the glory and the and the awesomeness of your name, God, and what you have done in our lives, Lord. Lord God, we ask you to bless today's show, Lord God. Bless the listener, every listener that hears us today, Lord. Allow them to be blessed by what they hear. Allow, Lord, our words to be used by you, Lord, our thoughts to be used by you, Lord. Allow your spirit to speak through us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 And again, before we get started, if you have any questions or comments for our number one best-selling author, Mr. Don Woods, please press the number one on your phones and you will be put in our queue. And if you're in the chat room, for those who may be online, um, Michelle may be che- uh, taking care of the chat room. So, you know, we want to make sure we reach everybody. You can, if you don't have the numbers, it's 845-277-9384, Call in and have a chat with Mr. Don Wood on his book, The Good Work. We started this in the beginning of the year. You know, we started interviewing him, and then I just, the Lord said, let's have a, let's have a book club because there's 18 chapters in the book. So some, you know, it's only 12 months. So some months we are going to do two chapters like we're doing this month right here. So we are going to get to this book, and then hopefully we'll start the next book because he's working on his next book. But without further ado, let me give you some questions. It says, Arthur Don Wood, for those who don't know anything about Mr. Wood, Arthur Don Wood is a retired educator living in Raleigh, North Carolina. His higher education experience includes teaching business communication, publication design, journalism, 
and Leadership at Oakwood University, Indiana University, Howard University, Virginia Tech, and Winston-Salem State University. Simple faith is an uncomplicated, I'm sorry, I'll start that again. Simple faith is an uncomplicated trust that God has your life in his constant gaze, and he is not overmatched by modern day storms. It is giving him the command of your ship when you want to tighten your grip on the will. Simple faith is acting on Jesus' work, work doing what he says without rationalizing to make it fit our desire of fear. Now, that's chapter four. Now, we left off because I, I keep keep marks. I got my mark up this book. You know, I'm mean, the only one that's marking up this book, but I marked up where we left off. Um, in chapter three. So we're going to peruse, have a couple questions in chapter three, and then we're going to go on to chapter four. Now, um, you started one part. I saw the complicated relationship with my mother and trauma my marriage brought her. The 30 plus years contention that wore me to a frazzle. My mother was a great and strong woman who climbed up the rough side of life mountains, fighting uphill, even on the downside. But me getting married left her stunned. And that's all I'm going to say. You know, most I would say most times, most times, mama would say, oh, dear, she's such a beautiful woman. And, you know, I, I'm going to bless this marriage. Oh, honey, how you doing? So what, what, what was going on on this one? It's a complicated situation um, because my mother uh, had a tremendous amount of respect and admiration for for my wife. It's just that uh, she wasn't prepared for the idea that um, I was going to be uh, leaving. And uh, even though, you know, it wasn't like some surprise relationship, it's just that I guess in her heart she had hoped that um, – Somehow I would still just stay, uh, and she, I guess in a sense, took it as a um, as abandonment or betrayal or whatever it was. Whatever it was, there was a lot going on in her world, and what I discovered, and what what and and I guess what this whole thing was about was that in going through the counseling that I went through, I began to realize that I wasn't the only person who had issues, who had problems that were deep-seated and needed to be worked on. I was constantly taking whatever negatives were coming at me from other people, especially my mother, as being uh, somehow my fault, that somehow I needed to do something, change something, change what I said, change how I did whatever I did, and it seemed that nothing that I said or did solved the problem, and I was getting more and more frustrated because the problem was it was something I couldn't fix. It was something that was going on in her world. She needed help, and I couldn't give that. And, uh, and I didn't take it right because I was too busy defending myself. I was too caught up in my own sense of Fear that I was, you know, once again failing, you know, my family, failing everybody. And so when she would go into these, 
issues with me. Um, I was taking it very personally and, uh, and not really seeing it for what it was, is that, uh, that just as I was having issues that I needed help to sort through, she had long-term issues from her past uh, and her life that she had to sort through, but she didn't have any help. Uh, unfortunately, during most of the time that I was going through this situation with her, um, you know, I hadn't really found the help yet. As a matter of fact, I didn't really start getting the help until a couple of years after she passed, uh, my mother passed. But uh, fortunately, uh, we were able to do uh, some basic reconciliation. We weren't enemies when she died, but it was a, it was a hard situation to face. And sometimes we have to realize that there are people in our world, we can't ever figure out why they are dealing with us the way they are. And we keep trying to figure out how we can change ourselves to make them not deal with us the way they do. The problem isn't always you. The problem could be that they have issues in their life that when they are confronted with you, it makes them feel really bad. If you succeed where they didn't, then they're going to try to pull you down. Uh, if your life is moving along and you seem to have uh, uh, overcome kind of the family curse, then somehow you're no longer part of the family. And so there are a lot of things that people are dealing with out there, and it's driving them crazy because they can't seem to get their family to see them uh, for what they are. And they think that it's because they're doing something wrong. But in reality, it's just that perhaps those family members have issues that need professional help, and they're not getting it. Amen, amen, amen. And um, and I was taking notes while you were talking, and I see, and something came to how often is it it's the other person's issues that they try to uh, project over to us because the Bible says in Proverbs, out of the heart comes the issues of life. And you said mm-hmm. those were, even though they're our parents, we love them dearly, but they're human. They're, they're imperfect. Yeah. You know, you know, we, we sometimes, uh, children put us on pedestals and we put them on pedestals, but they're still, mm-hmm. we are all imperfect. We're all imperfect. Yeah. And it comes to sight of God. So, you know, she, it was projecting, on you the issues that she had and those things you know those are something things that we definitely have to pray about you know that as we're you know because yeah. you know normally it's a happy thing for a parent to see their um, child getting married but you know we never know what are the issues that that individual or for say your mother yeah. was dealing with any um, comments or questions Michelle I'm sorry NJ I got to get that in my head NJ Hey, I'm I'm feeling bipolar over here. <laughs> I don't know which person I'm supposed to answer to. Um, no, I, I was just thinking, you know, you kind of said it cause, because oftentimes it's, it's not really our issue that we're being confronted with when people treat us a certain way. It's like we're subject to people's fears, their insecurity, their um, their trauma, 
we're we're subject to it. So a lot of times when people are reacting in a certain way to us, it's all that stuff. It's it's their fears, their trauma, their perceptions, and it actually doesn't have anything to do with us. And so I just, I think that was a, that's a great point that you are kind of bringing out here. And, yeah, because, you know, honestly, of- yeah, you know, Nichelle, I mean, when when you think about it, you know, one of the things that I had that was a problem for me was that I didn't, even though I, I knew a lot about God, and even though I had spent a lot of my life in service to him, I did not have a sense, and I think I tried to bring this out in several places in the book, I did not have a sense of security in him because I really didn't understand what it meant to be his child, his child. And so when things like this happened, when anybody had me backed in a corner about things, I was like a cat in the corner. I was basically feeling like I'm about to be destroyed in some way. And I've got to fight my way out of this. I did not have a sense of security in him. The Lord has blessed and helped me now that he has really given me a much stronger sense of security in him. So when people say and do things that normally would have tripped me off, lately I've been able to look at it from the standpoint that that's not necessary. that is not how God sees me. You may not understand me. We may have to go back over this again, but I don't feel as panicked about being misunderstood as I used to feel. And this is an amazing and liberating thing to come to a point in your life after having spent most of your life panicked about being misunderstood, to come to a point where you realize you can actually step back from that situation and look at it for what it is and know in your heart that the Lord loves you and that this is not an evidence of your failure. It's an evidence of we may need to revisit this at some point when you are not in as heated a situation or mood, then we can deal with it. But for right now, I'm praying for you and Lord bless you and help you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Uh, Satan began to pour it on. The alienation spread to the others in the family. I felt shrouded in darkness. I tried to live above the pain, but every failure of my past converged in the present, and it became a horror movie that wouldn't end. Then I moved down. Then all of a sudden, you said he introduced the next step of the good, next step of the good work, counseling. The counseling succeeded where the self-help fell. Often we had to pray that God to change things of our particip- you know, particip- without our participation. And that's when you started. He said he brought Mrs. Diop into your life. Mm-hmm. Let's pick up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's, that's the thing. As we were talking about the last time, uh, You know, you can do a lot of self-help stuff, but self-help usually deals with how to stop having the symptoms. 
and the professional counseling gets to the root of why you may be thinking and feeling the way you do. So, you know, for me to be angry, angry to the point of rage, and for someone to say, well, the solution to your problem is just stop being enraged. And you're going like, <laughs> say that again? <laughs> say what? The, the solution to your problem is stop being angry. It's like, hi, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> you know, I'm, <laughs> I am angry about a lot of things. I don't even know why, but I am. And I, I you know, and just to just stop. So what do you do? You start con- concentrating on not being angry. So you say, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be angry. <laughs> so what are you thinking about? The whole time you're thinking about, I'm angry. And you keep, in a sense, justifying that anger because you feel that you have been treated unjustly. If you feel that you have been treated unkindly, you feel that you have been brutalized or in some way embarrassed or hurt or whatever it is, Mm. you feel that something has happened to you that needs some kind of retaliation, retribution, some kind of, you know, calling out, and then someone says, nope, just let it go. You know, I used to always kind of marvel at certain people. They would say things to me like, man, I don't let that kind of stuff bother me, man. I just, you know, it's just like in one ear, out the other, or I just brush it off because it doesn't even phase me. And I'm going like, how could that not phase you? I mean, that would just flat out mean or wrong or whatever. And I would just be beside myself over some injustice or or some perceived slight. Somebody said something and they said some kind of sarcastic, snarky thing to me. And I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute, hold it. Why are you doing that? And I would, you know, I would, it would bother me. Well, I understand now how some people can do that because it's, it's really... It's really happening for me now. Uh, it's really starting to – I'm really starting to be able to uh, look at these situations for what they are. And a lot of it has to do with having a sense of security that God loves me and has mm-hmm. me in his care. Once you feel secure in his love, a lot of things – you don't look at things the same way. You're beginning to see things from his angle. You begin to see people who are out to hurt or people who are hurting you or others. You begin to see them from his point of view. They need help. <laughs> they need prayer. Yeah, right. And instead of having to feel like I've got to protect myself because nobody, not even God's going to protect me. Mm-mm. I always tell people, you know, once I've been through something and, you know, Michelle can comment if she wants, once I forget something or once I've been through something, if you got an issue with it, I always say, if I've dealt with that with God and he forgave me and my life is moving on, it's not between you and me anymore. It's between you and God because he has, you have to deal with that. Because he's the main one that we have to deal with. 
You know, so I'm not even going to, I don't even worry about it anymore because guess what? That's between you and God. So I guess you need to take it up with him. That's all I'm going to say on that issue. Any but comments, you know, Nisha? If you're in a position, if you're in a position like this, one, one, one point here is if you're in a position where you don't believe that God is on your side, if oh, you actually, okay. in a sense, feel that God is on everybody else's side mm-hmm. and that you're now You've been left out in the cold to be, you know, that's the way I felt. Okay. I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have, he didn't have my back. And so I, when those things happened, I couldn't say it's between you and God because I'm trying to figure out uh, maybe this is God trying to show me how bad I really am. Okay. Okay. Understood. And then that comes with the next part. You say, do something. I want to do, do something for me. All my life, I only did what others felt was the thing to do. I never thought about doing things because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do. This may sound weird, but it, it is true. She asked how, how this came. She asked how this came to be. I looked at her on the FaceTime call and thought, how do I know? Then I thought about it for a few seconds and it came out. As a child, I was like the family luggage. I was I was just I just went where everyone went. I never complained. And everyone knew that they didn't have to ask me what I wanted. I was fine with whatever. If I did complain, I was told I was a crybaby and my complaint died along with a piece of my heart. Yeah, I mean, you know, even as a child, you know, you can, children can get hurt. <laughs> I mean, and things happen in the child's mind that no one ever knows about because a lot of times people don't think that children really process certain things very deeply, but you do, and I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you make certain decisions based on things that happen to you, and after a while, you can just start folding up because you just don't believe that anything is going to work out for you. The only thing that works is to just kind of go along to get along, even though deep inside you're saying to yourself, I hate this, but what can you do? And, uh, and, and that's what was happening to me. Uh, I was slowly, in a sense, dying piece by piece inside and, you know, I was a compliant sort. Nobody ever thought, you know, I wasn't a trouble person. I didn't cause trouble. Uh, And so since I was never complained about this, that, or the other, everybody figured, hey, you don't have to worry about him. But what was happening was I was just getting to the point where uh, things were just folding up inside of me, and, uh, and it came out later in life. I'll call that the volcano, you know, yeah. the, everything was just, the lava was there. It was just waiting to erupt. It was building, the pressure was building, everything was building up. And sooner or later, later or sooner, you became like Mount Vesuvius, you know, later <laughs> on in life. Did you understand yeah. why it took, you know, Dr. Diop to really help you figure all this out? 
But um, I want to give, you know, we're going to, you know, continue on with that. Um, but I want, hey, NJ, any questions or comments on that? Uh oh, watch out. No, no, when when you guys were talking about that and and I was like, Wow, if we um get to a place where we allow our mindfulness and not just about ourselves because that's what a lot of uh this is when and I think we talked about this at one point when we were talking about the book generally. Um that that level of mindfulness that comes in where you're aware of what's happening in your emotions and your body, how you're reacting mm-hmm. when certain people are doing certain things. You know, when we get to that point and when we get to that, that point where we have some discernment working too, you know, yeah. that thing could be an entire blessing because not only – Will you know what's happening with you and 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 have some level of understanding with it and and this is um you know when we were talking i I guess this is like where you kind of got to after the counseling and things like that as you were going through the counseling right. was this level of awareness but uh but once you get there, you can actually become a blessing to other people. Because yeah. the craziest thing in the world is when somebody is treating you in a certain way or acting in a certain way that that can be construed negatively and you're able just to look past all of that and be like, how are you doing? <laughs> like, have you ever asked somebody, like, how are they doing and then they're nasty to you or what, what yeah. you know, they have a bad day? Like, things like that, like, that blows people people's mind because they almost expect you to go to the defensive when they're acting like that. They know they're acting out. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes very so deep they don't know. But uh, yeah. but yet it's like that's the place we really have to have to get to, or that that that's at least on the road to where we we want to be. And I I think the the journey that you were taking to kind of get there is really interesting. A friend of mine and I were talking uh, uh, last week. We were talking, he used to be a fireman, and we were talking about uh, what happens sometimes when people are in a fire situation. And when a place fills up with smoke, you could be a foot away from a door and you can't find it. Mm-hmm. And 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 you become so disoriented, the panic, the smoke, the whole deal, you become disoriented and a person could really die, you know, a foot away from an almost open door just because of that lack of that disorientation. And I think sometimes when we get into the point where we have no sense of security, no sense of connection, uh, we're disoriented by the smoke of the battles that we are finding ourselves in. Uh, other people looking from the outside might say, well, man, this door is just a foot away from you. Just open the door and go out. Well, if they were in your place and they saw the world the way you're seeing it, you don't see an open door. 
you mm-hmm. see a room full of smoke, you see a panic situation in which you feel trapped, but they see an open door. You don't. You're trying to figure out why in the world this situation is the way it is. And basically what happens is the professional counselor can help you to understand, well, well number one, how'd you get in this room in the first place? And two, here's some possible ways out of this situation. Take a step back from that thing and take a look at it. Let your eyes clear a bit, and now you can see. <laughs> You're not even the person who caused the smoke. So let's go forward. And I think that that's what the counseling did for me. It helped me to realize where I was, how I got there, and then what I can do about it and what I can't do about it. That mm-hmm. was really important, too. In other words, it's yeah. something you can't change other people, but you can change how you react to other people, especially now that you know that you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that's an excellent point. And that, and that's, you know, that's in that discernment. Just know it, all of that, what the, not, what it was the saying, knowledge is power. When you have that knowledge and then once you have it, it's almost like you're looking like, you mean I've been going through all of this? <laughs> and I ain't the crazy one. I had to step back and find out. <laughs> I ain't the crazy yeah. one. Okay, I got you. I'm not the crazy one. You're the crazy one. I'm not. Okay, I got you. Okay, okay. Okay, that's what you're saying. Okay, we with you. We didn't say all that. Oh, okay, okay. Don will get you right after the break, Kyle. He'll get you right after the break. Okay, okay. All right. But anyone, we are, she just mentioned that B word, the break. We are at our halfway mark if you're still listening if you want to come in or tell your friends hey this is a good show y'all need to call in and listen because you guys are going to want to get the book the good work by author extraordinaire don wood um, a note from a few of our supporters music instructions for our learners arts academy where the arts knows no bounds if you love the arts like photography dance culinary arts and our classes all online, then go to MIFAL Arts Academy's website, www.mifalaa.org, and check them out or call and talk to our Dean Lavender at 833-643-2563. And now I want this person just to, you know, she's our host of hosts. Give us some What's been going on with the two last two episodes of Boss Radio Live with NJ? Amen. Boss Radio Live with NJ has been really awesome. We have had two amazing uh, shows, episodes one and two. Uh, One, we had the awesome recharge strategist, Dr. Cherie M. Good, that was talking to our listeners about how to relieve stress and, and how to to figure out what stress is doing in your body, in your mind, and how to recharge your mind, body, and soul in order to be more in balance. And uh, just yesterday we had uh, Monique, S. Monique Smith on the show. She's an 
advocate and an activist for missing and exploited children, and she herself was a missing person until about two years ago when after, what, 50 years, she finally uh, was reunited with her family. And so two awesome shows, great information, nuggets being dropped. It's been really awesome. So make sure you guys tune in. The show airs on the Boss Radio NJ page on Facebook and also on Boss Radio Live with NJ on YouTube every second and fourth Friday at 6 p.m. Amen, amen, amen. So tune in for that. She is doing great things. We're going to take a, hear a song, and this is a song that you know we all should listen to once in a while, um, break every chain, because sometimes we have to break those chains that life tries to put on us. Right where you are, just release the name of Jesus. Come on, say Jesus, Jesus.
You are listening live with Man in the Mirror with your hosts, Kai and NJ. If you are on or you know someone who wants to listen in on this great episode of the book club, The Good Work, Chapter 3 and 4, you can call in at 845-277-9384 or log in at www.blogtalk.com radio.com forward slash man dash in dash the mirror and we are having a great talk and now we are going to enter chapter four faith to face the storms i'll say that again faith to face face the storms and he says believing his word is not a matter of logic it's a matter of trust and we'll say that again believing his word is not a matter of logic it's a matter of trust, and we're going to actually just dive into that. I'm going to read something. He says, simple faith is an uncomplicit trust that God has your life in his constant gaze, and he is not overmatched by modern-day storms. All right, Don, tell us what you were talking about. He's, and you wrote in the beginning, as I wrote this, I struggled against God and bondage to sin. It is amazing what God reveals one day that will have deeper meaning later. This piece deals, details the bitter mindset that we can develop when we think we know him, but we really don't. I was in that boat, but God was doing his good work in spite of my issues. He doesn't wait until we are perfect to use us as his voice to others he loves. Yeah, you know, God has an amazing capacity to put confidence in in uh, his children even long before they even really understand him. You know, when I think about the state of the disciples when Jesus was about to be crucified, he he was talking to his father about them as if they were ready, they were ready to go. And I think all of us in reading uh, about their state of mind around that time would have probably said, no, 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 you can't go now because these guys are in a mess. I mean, they are not, they're not ready at all. But God uses us even when we're still struggling, and then he helps us along the way. And this is what God did for me. Uh, and 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 so, this chapter that uh, of the book was something that I had written years before I actually uh, found the deliverance. But the Lord helped me to uh, write this thing, even though deep in my heart I, I believed it and I didn't believe it. That's the complication that we have as, as, as God's children. There are things that we believe. We believe them, but we don't believe them in the sense of of action we we mm-hmm. we understand and accept the the truth of what god is saying but when it comes down to putting that stuff into action uh that's when we discover that we really we believe the words but we don't know him mhm yep in other words right. if you were to ask me if you were to ask me uh how to play tennis I could tell you, 
if you were to watch me play tennis, you would say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you know, and I mean, there are a lot of things, there are a lot of things that we may love and that we may feel uh, we've become very knowledgeable about, uh, mm-hmm. but but we, when it comes to practice, uh, we 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 have a problem. In other words, there's a difference between things that are simple and things that are easy. For example, climbing Mount Everest is simple. You start at the bottom and you go to the top. That's it. You just climb until you get to the top. It's simple. It is not easy. There are bodies all over mm. Mount Everest that didn't make it mm. because it was simple, but it wasn't easy. Mm. The Christian life is very simple. Follow God. <laughs> Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. Mm-hmm. Accept him as your savior. Amen. And mm-hmm. follow him. It's simple. It's not easy because right. we are facing we are facing an adversary who is determined to destroy us, and the work he does scares us because we don't know God enough to be secure in him, and we get sidetracked by our own desires and our own lusts and our own uh, evil passions, desire for revenge. You name it, these things distract us and get, keep us from doing what God says to do. And yeah, so, right. yes, salvation is simple. Jesus died on the cross to vindicate his Father's name and to make the way for us so that we don't have to pay the penalty for our own sins and that he sets us free to live a life of following his expressed will. That is the simple gospel. God sets us free from the pain and the penalty of sin and death, and he sets us on the road to following him to do what is right in the sight of God and to live with him forever. That's simple. It is not easy, and that's why Jesus said himself, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Mm. All right, preacher man, keep keep going. Okay. Now this is the fun. This is one of the parts that I love that you wrote, and it was to me it was poetic. Before long, the peaceful breeze and rocking water nudged Jesus into a slumber. And we're talking about when you know when they went out on a rip uh, water. Suddenly, a storm mm-hmm. tore the night. Swamping the vessel, threatening to kill 13 men, that unlucky number. Frantically, the 12 rolled against the blaze, realizing in horror that their efforts were futile. They've lost, they lost control. Then the blaze of, then in the blaze of lightning, the crew noticed something. Odd. Jesus, sleep? 13 men in danger, 13 men headed for death, and one of the 12, one, only 12 struggled. Terror was eclipsed by indignity. 
the labor of life while somebody slept. They could take the unfairness no longer. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Mark 4.38. In other words, with all due respect, sir, we we are all going to die, including you. Don't you care? Can you at least join us as we go down fighting? I thought that was cute, you know. The way you wrote it, it's like, okay, in all due respect, sir, do you, you know, we are about to die, so what is going on, you know, can you help a brother out, that's what the black guys would say, can you help a brother out, you know, give us, you know, give us some kind of dignity, we don't want to die just not trying, but yeah. they've seen the storm, they've seen everything around, and then Jesus was like, okay, I'm tired, I'm going to sleep. That's it. Yeah. He was secure. Uh, they were not. And, you know, in the sense that they felt that in order to uh, in order to make it, if they were all going to die, they should all be going down fighting, okay? But one person sleeping while everybody, especially the main person sleeping while they're struggling against this storm, they're going, how in the world can – I mean, it just was unexplainable <laughs> to them. I mean, they probably stood there. And they probably just dropped, dropped the buckets and were just kind of looking, going like, "You got to be kidding!" How in the uh, hello? <laughs> you know, you, maybe you need to understand something about these storms here. You know, uh, you may be finding yourself sleeping on the bottom of the ocean. Uh, hello. And I think a lot of times we look at God this way even now. You know, we, we look at the disciples and yeah, yeah, yeah. How could they didn't have any faith? He was right there in the boat. It's like, yeah. How come you don't have any faith? He's right there in the boat with you. And, you know, that's one of the things that I was trying to mention in this thing is that sometimes we think Jesus needs to wake up call. We're so caught in our issues and our problems And we really think that God doesn't quite understand real-world situations, that he's somewhere Mm -hmm. eating a cloud burger and and listening to harp music and just doesn't quite see (laughs) that uh, we've got a serious problem that needs to be addressed right now. Mm -hmm. And we become angry and bitter Mm -hmm. with him. Yep, you hear it all the time, people getting angry with God. And, you know, it's basically Jesus was saying, and you said it, where was their faith? You said, we pity the disciples, where was their faith? And as we go down, they were helping Jesus, as they often do. They found themselves so busy serving and being valuable that they forgot that they needed him as Lord. They saw only that they needed him to join them. As we do, they compartmentalize him and judge him and as ignorant of the indifference to the gray, to the gravity of the crisis, and now realize that they did not fully trust him. So when you carpentalize, yeah. I can't even get that word, but compartmentalized him. They stuck him in a box. Stuck Jesus in yes. a box and like we do. Let's take him out when we need him and then put him back in the box. You know, yeah. we take these out when we need them. When we when we don't need them, we put them back in the box. 
I need you. Okay, boom, open a box. I don't need you. You know, they only utilize him as a, as you said, when they need him. But if you know, and you wrote about this, if I've been with you all this time, you done healed the blind, you done made people walk, you done, you know, raised people from the dead, and all of a sudden I'm out on a storm, and I'm not realizing that. Guess what? He is Christ and Lord. He has done all these miracles. Why am I worried? And you mentioned, because time is flying, and you mentioned about Mary and Martha. It says, like, look, one is sitting at his feet listening, and the other is just frantic going around. Well, why aren't you helping me? You know, you know, explain that to us. We have to make a decision, and that's what it's all about. We have to make a decision that either we're going to trust him and have faith in him, or we're not. That That's simple. Yeah. Yes, because trusting God is a function of knowing him. If you understand what he has revealed about himself, if you are secure in the knowledge of his love for you, the kind of complaints that the disciples and the Martha had would go out the window. Because remember, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, soaking it up. And she was at peace. But Martha was working for the Lord, so to speak, trying to prepare the meal and do this stuff for the special guest. But she did not have peace. And Jesus basically let her know. Mary has chosen the good part. It will never be taken away from her. He is basically saying, Martha, come join us. We can always have something to eat, but you won't always have me with you. So come, sit with Mary and learn of me. That's why Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And he says, and you will find rest unto your souls. That's what God is trying to give us, is rest for our souls. Because all of this anger and all of this rage and so forth, it says we don't have confidence in him to handle all of our storms. Mm. We think that we know him, but we really don't know who's in the boat. You know, think for a minute. Think for a minute about these guys in this boat. Now, yes, they had seen Jesus heal those who were sick, and they'd seen him cast out demons. They'd seen him handle a lot of things that nobody that they had ever seen had done. He'd even given them power to do some of the same things. But here's the thing. There are always those situations that we face in our lives where We know God is able to do a lot of things, but we just come to the point where we realize this is one of those situations where there's just not enough time, there's just not enough resources, there's just not enough something. This is not something that you can kind of wait and hope that something spiritual is going to happen and solve this problem. we got to do something. Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's the thing. The disciples are in this boat. 
they are facing a storm, waves taller than anything they'd ever seen, mm-hmm. water splashing all over the place, wind howling in their faces. It's black dark out there. They can't see anything except they are about to die. There are 12 men in this boat, and there's Jesus in the boat with them, a 13th man. What man do you know who can stop a storm? You don't know anybody who can stop a storm. And the thing about it is Jesus is the same size as they are. The storm is ten times bigger, a thousand times bigger, a million times bigger than Jesus. He might be able to heal a sick guy or feed 5,000 or do some amazing and miraculous things, but this, in the middle of the storm, to expect that somebody you know is going to, and when he did it, that scared them more than the storm. Because the first thing that they asked at the end of that chapter, they're going, who is this? They're going, we thought we knew Jesus. (laughs) But who is this? Who stops storms by talking to them? He didn't even yell at the storm. He just said, at, stop. Thing you know, you're sitting on a calm sea, looking at the moon reflecting off this off of the sparkling little water. You're dripping with water from this big storm, and you're going, <laughs> "Whoa!" If I told somebody this happened, nobody would believe this. Mm, nope. Who is this? And that's the question that many of us need to be asking. Who is this? Mm-hmm. Am I looking at Jesus as a nice guy who is really sweet and has the blonde hair and the beard and wears these pretty robes? Am I caught up in the pictures that they paint of him? And then I realize that a person who looks like that isn't about to roll up his sleeves and get dirty with me? Mm. Can I trust him when the crisis is way beyond what I think the most powerful person could possibly handle? See, that's where the faith has to come in. It's believing that he is who he says he is and understanding what it is he says he is. Most of us have a religion that's built on hearsay. It's not built on our personal understanding of God and his word. Our religion and our faith is built on what we think we hear from other people, about him in the most shallow way. And then ultimately when we face the crisis of our lives, we don't have a personal connection that makes us confident that he can do something about our issue. So sometimes God allows storms to come into our lives so that we will see him in action and trust him that he knows how to take care of our storms. 
Amen. I ain't got nothing to say to say from that. By my let Michelle, I'm my let Michelle say something. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, don't, I don't know what to say. You know what? I'm going to make it easy, NJ. I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to make it easy, okay? Y'all ain't going to be teaming up on me tonight. Oh, oh, look, I'm going to put it in the, the, the see, you, But there is something that can come. It says, the good work is God changing us from being people who give up on him and curse him because of a de- devastation of storms into people who praise him for the power he gives to endure. Storms are the proving ground for test pilots of faith, a.k.a. Don Woods. And he puts <laughs> keep reading, and that's the end of Chapter 4, because next time yeah. we talk to this young man, Chapter 5 is wave the white flag and as they say dun 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 you know wave <laughs> that's going to be chapter five wave the see nj put you know i wasn't ready but i was ready see you know i got I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm reading no, i'm gonna keep reading to do what he says <laughs> that's an important chapter that wave the white flag that's an important chapter so yeah oh, we, we look oh yeah we're going to get into that chapter we definitely going because you know you know, that that sounds interesting. Wave the white flag. So if you guys are listening in, you know, tell your friends to buy the book, order the book. Don, give give your contact information and where our listening audience can actually get the book. Yeah, they can uh they can get the book through Amazon. Um and uh if anyone wants to get the direct link so you don't have to go searching all over Amazon for it. Um, you can just uh, write me at uh, Don at Woodcom, W-O-O-D-C-O-M as in Mary, M as in Mary, dot com. Don at Woodcom dot com. And I, if you write to me, I'll send you the link to the Amazon uh, uh, page, and you'll be able to order the book, and, uh, and I think it will be a blessing. Okay. Any closing remarks, Don? Because I don't know if you can follow up what you said before, but you know you can go try. Nah, you know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Hey, um, what God has done for me uh, has been an absolute miracle, uh, and to be able to sit here today and to talk about you know this situation is just uh, it, it's just it's just mind-boggling to me that God could take my situation, which I thought was pretty hopeless, and uh, bring me to a point where life really makes sense to me now. And uh, it's never too late. I don't care how old you are. Uh, you know, this is, this is something that uh, God, we are his children no matter how old we are, and he never gives up on us until he's accomplished what he, what he is trying to accomplish. And I'm thankful to him that he didn't give up on me. Amen, amen. Any closing remarks, NJ? All I have to say is, is I, I feel that the prayer that was prayed at the beginning of, of this show was definitely answered. I, I wasn't even listening to, to Don Wood anymore. I was listening to Jesus. I was listening to God. Because amen. Man, 
was a powerful, powerful explanation of the power of God in our lives if we accept it. We have to yield to the power. Mm-hmm. But that was an amazing explanation uh, 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 and what do they call it, illustrative example uh, of the power. You know, we were talking about the story out of, out of the Bible, but the words and the, and the power that you used and how you were talking about it just really hit home. And, and I'm just, that was amazing, and I thank the Lord for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, like we would like to thank all of you who have been listening to us and sharing Man in the Mirror with our author extraordinaire, Don Wood. Our book club is growing as we're listening and getting detailed information straight from the author himself. There's not too many people you can get the information straight from the author himself, and that will be you know, with man in the mirror. If you have any questions, you know, as he said, you can forward it to him. Um, and, and we'll, and as we say, this is Kai and NJ. And as always, you guys were great. And we will see you at the mirror. <laughs>